Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Balladyadam. This is your weekly X-Men podcast. We're reading every story. And we do that from A to Z. <laughs> I'm Adam. And I am Zach for I Am Many. Are you Legion? I am Legion. I'm Legion. That's the bit. That's the bit we're doing here this week. We're doing a Legion one, guys. Y'all know Legion. David Haller. Uh yeah. I, I, I uh, combed my hair up real high this week, uh, see how, how high I could get it, you know. See, I just got a haircut, so I, I don't know. Look, looking good, looking got, good. Oh, yeah, look at this. Look at how sharp these lines are. Mm, crisp. <laughs> David Holler wishes he had my kind of hair. Though I do wish I had his volume. That's fantastic work that he's doing there. You know, I, uh, I was thinking about I did a quick uh, sketch of Legion last night, and I I was thinking about it's a how good sketch. I was, Adam, you did two quick sketches last night, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Adam can draw really good. Well, thank you. I I hadn't drawn in a while, so uh, that felt good. But I was thinking about um, how because Bill Sinkevich was the first guy to like take a crack at Legion, that he's been stuck with the bad haircut for that entire time. Like if a different artist had taken on Legion to start with, would he still have the crazy high top or would, (laughs) would someone else have done something like less uh, visually weird, like the eraser top, you know what I mean? Cause that's the thing. Bill Sienkiewicz really only defines three characters in his timeline. Like if you're talking about, this is what these characters look like now and forever. And Mm -hmm. there's three characters he introduces. It's Warlock. Mm -hmm. And every time Warlock doesn't look like Bill Sienkiewicz's Warlock, it does feel wrong. Just because, and not even in, like, rendering, but in the spirit of Bill Sienkiewicz's Warlock, where it's, like, he's a sketchy boy. Mm. Yeah. Like, he 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 can't be too refined. He interacts with reality differently than the rest of us. Sure. Uh, I say the rest of us, like, He's a real person. doesn't matter. The Demon Bear, which is, you know, so tightly based on surrealism and so tightly, like, it's an impressionistic thing. So other writers try and pull from that when possible. And then it's Legion, who's just a dude in, he has Bill Sienkiewicz hair, but you don't see, you don't see, like, people drawing Bill Sienkiewicz eyebrows on Charles Xavier all the time. Right. <laughs> like, he was, Bill Sienkiewicz was exaggerating. Because that's what he does. Yeah, but everybody since has just been like, this hair is so high. Legion is so interesting to me. Uh, One, because he's an interesting vehicle for storytelling. Mm -hmm. Two, because there is a through line between Legion and this podcast starting. Yeah. uh, Which I think is is neat. Did you see, uh, I, I don't know if you have actually seen this trailer yet. But um, they are no. they are making a sequel to another sequel to Predator uh, called Prey, and it is the that's, Predator. That's a good joke. That's a good joke. Twentieth <laughs> Century Fox team. So the Predator uh, is um, back in pre-colonial, like I start of colonial America, and he's attacking a Native American tribe, 
Um, so almost the entire cast is Native American. And the star is this the Legion connection is Amber Midthunder, who played Amber Ken- Midthunder. Is Amber Midthunder rules. Yeah, I was thinking the other day. I was thinking, man, why hasn't why haven't more people? Why hasn't Amber Midthunder been getting more work? And maybe she has, and I just haven't like watched it. Yeah. The only disappointing but... thing about this news is that it's going straight to Hulu. It is not going to theaters because when you see this trailer, you're going to be like so hyped. But um, anyway. Adam, Adam, that's a that's a boon for me, a guy who doesn't really want to go to movie theaters <laughs> anymore for the rest of my life. Like that's I'm, fair. I'm good at this point. Oh my god! I was no. listening to an interview with David Cronenberg on uh, the Big Picture podcast, and he's they, right. they were they always ask about streaming media, and David Cronenberg's like, I don't like to go outside. I this is great. I never have to go like listen to people eat or talk or look check their phones. It's just me and the movie. If there's anyone <laughs> who I could have told you was not an outside kid, it was David Cronenberg. <laughs> yes. Well, we all know Legion See, is not an outside kid either. So, uh, who requested this not. particular episode? This was requested by I Read Comic Books. Oh, what a great name! Listen, I'm, I'm going to be very honest. There may be more context to I Read Comic Books, but I wrote this list a while ago, and I do not have that context handy. So, thank you, I Read Comic Books. If you read comic books, then legally you are obligated to support our Patreon at ComicsXF on Patreon. That's not how Patreon works, but you're figuring out. Y'all know search bars. If you're listening to podcasts, I've got to imagine you do have a rudimentary understanding of the search bar. Makes sense. Go to Patreon, type in ComicsXF, or just type in patreon.com slash ComicsXF. You'll get there. Support us at the $5 level. You get, I don't think we've mentioned, you get early episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, You do. You get them. Whenever, whenever they're edited, we throw them up, and you you can just listen to them a little bit early. Here, here are thoughts before anybody else. Uh, you also get a episode based around one of your ideas, and we'll make a whole list, just like we did with I Read Comic Books, who did suggest some stuff from X Men Legacy, which is where we are going to start. Yeah, I'm excited about this because it's been a while since I revisited X Men Legacy, and um, I have not admittedly not been the biggest fan of um way of x or i think way of way of x is bad and i think legion of x is um trying to do too much with too small of a space without giving a strong emotional core to the book uh it wants us to like nightcrawler because we already night like nightcrawler however it is withholding the stuff we like about nightcrawler hmm. um it we said it in the last episode Doing stories about Nightcrawler and religion is actually a trick, and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> it's a trap. Everyone falls into it. So it was a delight to come back to this run, uh, one that I had uh, not visited in a while. And I, uh, which two issues are we talking about here? This is 13 and 14? Yes, it is the arc called Hope and Glory. Mm. It's written by Cy Spurrier, uh, penciled by Tangan Hut. Uh, it is a story about, well, it's a story about Britain and <laughs> uh, the UK. Now, we have to pin this in time. This is 2013. This is a pre-Brexit Britain. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you can you can see what's buried, like, with the gift of hindsight, even though I am not an Anglophobe. No, no I am an Anglophobe. I am terrified <laughs> of British people. I'm not an Anglophile. <laughs> You can you can kind of see 
Spurrier saw where the culture was going and he didn't like it. And this is him trying to push back against it in his work. And I think that's admirable. I do think, again, hindsight's 50-50. How could he have known that everyone hates Britain more than they the standard unit of hate for Britain was in 2013? <laughs> well, the, the conduit for this uh, is everybody's not favorite hot claws man, Pete Wisdom. Um, who, um, that is a lie. It is Dan Grote and Liz Large's favorite hot claw man. That is true. Uh, but I will say, if anybody is going to write Pete Wisdom, I think Cy Spurrier probably has a pretty good handle on this character's voice, wouldn't you say? Because, yes, because <laughs> Cy Spurrier is at his best when he writes an insufferable character. <laughs> like, even David Haller is insufferable. Mm-hmm. He really, like... He is fun to read about, and I think as, you know, someone who, like, has had to come to terms with some, like, mental health stuff around anxiety and depression, uh, I think it's nice that there is a character that has really, a really good arc around that and how they can control and manage themselves and, you know, have ownership of their own bodily autonomy. Like, I think that's a great arc. Yeah, this is gonna I come. I don't up... want to be David Haller's friend, though. He does seem like the worst person oh, to yeah. be friends with. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hang with him. <laughs> uh, I think the other thing that this gets really well is, and uh, this will come back, uh, you know, at another time in this episode, but is that the way in which Legion is written here is really interesting and smart. And we've talked about, I think this, this series before on the show, but the concept of using what originally was Zeb Wells, I think concept of picturing the inside of legacy's mind as a prison and then turning that around into something that's really, really interesting. Um, Not only that there's all these different, you know, uh, personalities and, and characters inside of his head. But the also is the outside perspective, which is, is Legion going to do something really horrible right now? Like we should probably suspect him to be this awful, crazy villain and do something awful. But then he has the ability to surprise us and do something good, which is exactly what happens in this story. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting coming in, post this story because david Haller's not a protagonist ever before what mike carey starts with him Mm -hmm. uh in his run of legacy and what uh what spurrier really you know does here he's a villain Mm -hmm. like he is or not villain he is an antagonist in all of his original appearances that's just what he is yeah so Having that and said, maybe the person that we are going to lump all of these bad 80s understanding of mental illness on be the bad guy, maybe that's not the best way to handle it. And to their, and to their credit, Sinkevich and Claremont don't blame David as the, you know, the core personality David for being bad. Right. Uh, right. But he, in practice, he's still used as the bad guy. Yes. Yes, uh, and that can be, you know, used by a writer in interesting ways. And I think this is um, the the plot here has to do with um, Britain's government 
sort of allying with a uh, a made up Middle East fake Saudi nation, Arabia, right? Fake Saudi Arabia, yeah, it's fake Saudi Arabia, and uh, they're starting to form their own superhero team. And you know, really, is this just an alliance for oil sales? Probably, um, yes, explicitly. <laughs> It does appear that Legion has kind of put together his own British hit squad here um, to to mess all of this up. At least that's that's sort of what it, Pete Wisdom thinks is going on. And props to Cy Spurrier. I had forgotten that Alchemy was in this. <laughs> yeah, you get Alchemy, Lila Cheney, Blind... Well, not really Blindfold. She's not part of that team. She's just in the story. You get Alchemy, Lila Cheney, Pixie, Psylocke, Chamber, and... Liam Cunnington. Uh, Adam, do you know where he is from? You know, I I meant to look that up because I was like, Liam's got to be from something, right? Is he an MI-13 Adam. character? or No, it's Muties. Do you remember Muties? Oh, that's a nice deep cut. I like that. It's from the, it's from the IRA issue <laughs> of Muties. That's great. What a wild wild pull yeah. on that one do we mention chamber is here as well yeah we mentioned chamber okay he's got, he's got an explodo face yes explodo uh, face. so pete wisdom thinks that legion is going to do a bad and right. uh essentially he's going to well i say a bad a bad in the british government in pete wisdom's eyes and a i'm going to do a superhero thing and fight the you know the saudi arabian government fake Saudi Arabian government. Yeah, the, the the premise that Pete Wisdom is going on is that he thinks that Legion wants to do something so terrible that no one will ever trust mutants again, right? He's got the I want to be I want to be clear. Legion does a terrible job using his words to explain what he's doing <laughs> first. He tricks he he tricks Pete Wisdom into executing part of his plan. I do think somewhere down the line they could have talked first. Because yeah. he gets Pete Wisdom so riled up that Pete Wisdom does try and kill him. Yes. A lot. Yeah. But we learn that really where Pete Wisdom is, at least for most of the first issue, is in a hallucination that Legion is creating for him. And it turns out that at the end, this is actually a plot between all of those characters we just talked about to do good things. And to actually stop an assassination attempt on the uh the leader of this other country and to make people look at mutants in a positive light and it's it's a nice twist you know you think that something horrible is going to happen and you realize no this group of weirdos is going to do something that's that's for the the greater good it very much is the idea of how can mutants do a good thing with their powers that is not just fighting supervillains and that's a very interesting story beat. It is unfortunately marred uh, by looking back nine years in the future and saying, hey, just because good people do something good on TV doesn't mean that racism uh, goes away. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's... <laughs> like it's, it's, it has an oddly optimistic streak that I cannot imagine would be published today just because people would no i'm i take that back tom taylor gets published constantly (laughs) but that's that's the vibe you i'm sorry if there's tom taylor fans out there just know that he's easy to make fun of uh 
that's just the vibe you get from it. It is, it is optimistic in a way that I believe I has fundamentally broken inside of me, and I can no longer take seriously. Yeah, I mean, this story is from long enough ago that a, that the the beat at the end of it, where you know all of these characters are televised doing good things, and you know it seems like maybe they're making a difference. Uh, you know, we've we've had a rough time of it uh, since this story came out, um, and. You know, by we, I mean the world, um, obviously. We, the world, Britain has got, they've, America's done bad. Britain has just tried to go punch, punch for punch with us. Yeah, they're, they're really, uh, hold my lager. So, um, as a, as a pair of issues and as exemplars of this, uh, this storytelling by Spurrier and using this character, um, I think it's great. I really enjoy it. I like this book in general and the way that he plays with the character. I think it's original and smart. And I like the cast of characters that are here as well. Is it like the most memorable thing in the world? No, but uh, I I like the artwork. I like the writing and um, maybe we should take a stab at ranking it. We should take a stab at ranking this because that's what we do on this podcast. We rank comic books. Mm -hmm. We rank them. From best to worst, with the best X-Men story of all time being the House of X, the Powers of Ten, the hundredth best X-Men story of all time being Uncanny X-Men 314, Early Frost, uh, number 200 on our list is New Mutants Annual number one, Steal This Planet, number 300 on our list is Germ-Free Generation from New X-Men, number 400 on our list is Excalibur Girls School from Heck, number 500 on our list is... X-Men Second Coming Revelation Hellbound. A that guys, that's a uh, that's a three colon title right there. <laughs> very good. Uh number six hundred on our list is Phoenix End Song. That's just a one colon. And you know what? Six forty eight on our road to seven hundred. It's the Draco, baby. Yes. Uh now we have one of the legacy arcs that comes after this uh, for We Are Many, which is 19 to 24, that's at 51. And X-Men, That's the ending. Yep. Yeah. And, and then, then 59. X-Men legacy 300 is at 59. I don't think this is as nearly as good as I It's It's not. This is not as good as X-Men Legacy when it's at its peak. No. This is not the best part of Spurrier's run on here. No. Uh, down at 77, we have Mike Carey's X-Men Legacy, uh, the first arc of that from Genesis to Revelations, and I don't think this is as good as that. No. I don't think this is as good as Carey's Necrotia arc at 189. I do think this is better than the aftermath of Age of X-Men at 340. So I think we're... I think we're around there. Like, this probably breaks... I say it probably breaks 300... I'm now looking at 300 and thinking, yeah, it's about right. Um, like, right around that spot. Yeah, so at 300 right now, we have, you mentioned this before, the germ-free generation. Uh, I I might go a little bit lower than that. No, um, I think I think 300 is my ceiling. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. But, I'm, like, three, I do think we're in the 300s. 310 is X-Men Black Mojo number one, which is a story I do like because it's Glob Herman making friends with Mojo. <laughs> yes. Um, but I do think that this is probably better than that. But, like, I think it's comparable to uh, All-New X-Factor 3 and 4, The Stolen Island, or Uncanny X-Men Lovelorn from the Fraction San Francisco era. Yeah, I think we're in a good spot there. Yeah. Um... 
I... This is actually, I just looked. This is not better than X-Force uh, Volume 6, 17 through 19, which is that Ben Percy stuff. Yeah, yep, I uh, agree. With Quentin Choir. I, I, I think the Quentin Choir stuff works better. Even if the art, I the art overall on Legacy, I like better because I, I think Tongan Hut is like, if someone told me they hated his art, I'd shrug and say, okay, I get it. Mm. Uh, it works perfectly like, I, for this story, though. It does, I, but it's he's not a pretty artist. No, but like, that's he's, why... I, he's not a Terry Dodson. Yeah, he's not selling uh, beauties. So no, I would no, no. put this in between 308 and 309. Um, that's the first appearance of Karma in Marvel Team-Up 100, and they keep killing Madrox at 309. Yeah, I think that's fine. That seemed good? Yeah, I'm not going to jockey for position on this one. No, we're, we're, we're gonna, in I'm going to have to save that jockeying for a second. <laughs> uh, well, uh, we do have other writers and artists that have taken on this character in different directions. So um, what is next on our uh, show today? Next is a book from 2018, a book I was very excited about when it was coming out, when, when it was about to come out, and deeply disappointed moments after uh it, it just took for me to read it a little bit uh it is peter milligan and wilfredo torres's legion volume one trauma it's the only volume it's a five issue miniseries from do you remember marvel legacy adam yep when they Short decided range. to put when they decided to put uh, a second set of number on everything <laughs> because that's what comic fans really needed was a second set of numbers People love those big numbers, you know, they, Any, especially folks, if they're I, right or they're wrong. Sometimes they're not correct. Here's the thing. If you're somebody who is that obsessive about categorizing your comic books and you want to make sure they're in order, you already know how to figure out the order. It's by date already. So don't <laughs> give me that. Like, don't say, well, I don't know which one came first. Yes, you did. Because if you have that many, you can look at the cover and be like, well, yes, this is the Bendis arc of Uncanny. And that is after the Kieran Gillen stuff. So this one will go by. You know that. <laughs> now I get it. Captain Marvel, you're screwed. They messed that up. And all those runs are like blending together in my mind, too. It's very unfortunate. We all understand it. But guys... Come on, level with me here. <laughs> uh, well, one thing that this book makes no attempt to do, even though it's got that legacy banner, is pay any attention whatsoever to the amazing work that Spurrier did on X-Men Legacy. This basically treats Legion like he's fresh out the can, and uh, this is really terrible. It's not great. It's also not a Legion Story like he's not the central character, which I think is a bold and also bad choice that Peter Milligan does. Yeah, I mean, one of the uh reflections that I had just looking back on this, uh, you know, I read it a couple days ago, I had never touched this before, and just looking through it again, oh, buddy, I bought every issue as oh, it came out. I'm so sorry, but Resurrection really did a number on me. <laughs> But he's treating this world that he's designing here like it's an extension of ecstatics, right? I mean, kind even of. down to choosing an artist who has sort of a pop sensibility like Mike Allred, um, this ha has this sort of like 
kind of happy-go-lucky style to it that really bears no resemblance to what we know this character to be. Um, it's flippant, very flippant, about um, Legion's struggles with mental health. And the entire arc revolves around a new personality called Lord Trauma. And basically, the protagonist is this celebrity therapist. So here's the thing about celebrity therapists. I don't... Do they exist? Sure. Is that a real thing that people do? Yes, absolutely. Name one. Adam, right now, name one. Oh, name you mean, one for me. You mean the therapist themselves is a celebrity and goes on TV and yes. does it see now this is where it feels like ecstatics right that somebody it's has a, to have it's a very ecstatics idea 100 percent. and milligan is not thinking about placing this character in a more grounded real world and that's that's to its detriment because yeah the psychiatrist uh dr hannah jones she's the protagonist. I remember when this when this was coming out. I got really mad about this, and I counted how many uh, pages Legion was on versus how many pages Doctor Hannah Jones was on. And Legion is on less than forty percent of the pages in the book where he is. His name's on the cover. <laughs> uh, when there's a big Legion TV show coming out that no one really watched. To be fair, to be fair, it's and, good. People and, should watch Legion, and that'd be fine. Doctor Hannah Jones appears a lot more than forty percent. Yeah, and that might be fine if even that part of the story was interesting, but it's not. It's not interesting. That's the thing. Here's what she's doing. She's going into Legion's mind to fix him. We've seen this a million times. She's going to confront, help him confront his trauma. Milligan is literalizing everything to a point that it's annoying. Mm -hmm. And compared to the nuanced work that Spurrier did kind of feels like a little insulting to the reader like yeah spurrier darn near fixed a character or not i don't know if fixed because th some of the core issues are still there but he treated mental illness with respect and i feel like milligan is treating it with as a playground in this and i don't love that like no. i think that's that's that is a misreading of the tone that this should take and also the tone of a book that people who will buy a book that says legion on it will be wanting like uh, and we were talking off air about this i do think that aside from the writing which is just uninspired um and and tonally wrong uh, i think that the artwork is also not exciting either you know you have uh like you mentioned the inside of his brain is supposed to be this sort of playground you know, and, and you're right. Milligan is literalizing things. They go to a beach. It's called Nightmare Beach. And the, the waves have like monster looking things inside of it. But it there's a flatness to it. You know, it looks cool, but it doesn't feel threatening. It doesn't feel really interesting um, beyond like, oh, that's that's a nice design. And I I can clearly tell that the artist is talented. You know, that I just think that the story is not served by the artwork at all. Wilfredo Torres is not the right artist for this book by far. Hey, Adam, do you know what book book he has most recently been working on? No, I don't. Uh, it's Superman 78. Oh, perfect. 
Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah. What a good fit. Yeah. Because um, it's got that quality to the artwork. And when you pick up a book that has Legion in it or and is the title character, you're expecting something more raw. You know, you're expecting something a little messier. And this just looks well, even, way too clean. Even I think like a Mike Allred would be a good fit for this book because Mike Allred is willing to get more like psychedelic and... Yeah trippy where that's just not what torres is doing and that's fine i really like his work on like books like uh he did he did some stuff in the uh moon knight run uh by jeff lemire that's Mm. really really good cool and in that it's very specifically the movie producer rich man stephen grant's fabulous like hyper realistic realer than real life like that works yeah this doesn't no this does have incredibly good covers by javier rodriguez like great turns out javier rodriguez is pretty good pretty good yeah unfortunately they don't really have much to do with what's in the books um which is fine the covers don't do that that's not what covers are for yeah but like by the time we get to the fifth issue and tammy is battling like a a, a scarred baby doll of you know her childhood and you you mean the part where the book completely flips and it says actually this isn't a book about legion confronting his trauma it is a book about uh protagonist dr hannah jones confronting her trauma and her trauma was okay frankly her trauma doesn't seem as traumatic as um i think he wants he wants it to be like i don't think milligan's the right person to be uh dealing with some of those stuff about beauty standards and all that that kind of comes out of nowhere in the rest of the book I don't know. It's just, a, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand so much about this. Book. It's just a bizarre take, you know, uh, whereas Spurrier had Legion and blindfold, he invents a new like twin of Legion slash personality called Tammy who just appears out of nowhere. And I doubt we will ever see that again. We have not seen it since. Yeah. So, I don't know that there's much else to say. I do not recommend this. Um, you know, it's just non-essential, you know? It's just like, it's a footnote. It's one of those It's one of those books where you're going to be looking back like, man, they really, four or five years ago, put out a Legion book? It was just weird? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's just, they put out this weird Legion book. Like, here's the thing. Here's what's so telling about this. This book was released in January of 2018. Mm-hmm. By, like, November, when Legion appeared in X-Men Disassembled, they did not address this. They said, look, this book already ripped off the band-aid of Legion being back from unwriting himself from reality. We're not going to address this book, <laughs> and we're not going to talk about how he's back. It's fine. Like He's just back. Roll with it. Right. Soon... Soon, we will have fixed the they're just back problem really quickly. <laughs> right. And and it doesn't really matter. Um, now, we have down at 490, Zeb Wells, uh, New Mutants Volume 3, Return of Legion. I think This is worse than that. I think this is definitely worse than that. So I think we're headed into the 500s at the very uh, Man, that Return least. of Legion does seem oddly low on this list. Like, yeah, but... Maybe maybe it deserves to be there, and I know it's not like a perfect arc, but it does seem like maybe were we just mad that day? No, 
No, it's before Zeb really gets firing on the book. I know, I you know? know, I know. Yeah. We still like that book, but... Uh, more or less. That arc is, uh, this he's is, still on the on-ramp there. This is not as good as Wildcats X-Men at 518. No, no it is not. Um, I would even say Poptopia at 538. Poptopia is better. It is better than this. Poptopia is trying to say something. It's failing. Yes. Poptopia is not doing a good job of right. saying something, but darn it, it's trying. How do you feel about this compared to the first uh x23 miniseries i think that's better yeah it really is isn't it yeah wolverine origin like the origins miniseries for wolverine is better 583 yeah i would agree (sighs) all right we're working our way down here um how do you feel about this compared to magneto rex see this is where we start getting into things that are like truly awful because that's at five ninety nine, yeah. Yeah, and the the thing about this book is it's also just kind of harmless. Like it it's it's like you ate a, a small puff of cotton candy that didn't taste like anything. You know, like it it's really meaningless. So I once we start getting into like oof, this is truly terrible. You know, like in the six hundreds, I I don't know if we're that bad. Um, but so like. You'd- this yeah. is not as good. This is like probably on par with X-Men Liberators at 597. Can I tell you why I think X-Men Liberators is better? Yeah, I mean it had the X-Men in it and they kind of Yeah, there we go. Like there we characters. go. <laughs> yeah, the X the X-Men are doing X-Men things as X-Men in X-Men Liberators. Yeah. Are they doing it well or interesting? No, it's a Ben Rob comic. But yeah. man, Ben Rob, what a I have I right there here's the thing ben rob has never written a comic that's made me like angry uh-huh i just i nothing ben rob okay i bet he'd be a fun guy to talk to like i bet he's got stories sure but ben ben if you're listening and you're gonna be at c2e2 uh this fall i will buy you at least one if not three beers wow if you sit around and talk to me about what it was like at such a wild time to be writing x-men <laughs> slash working for marvel i am fascinated i hit, i did hear somebody once call ben rob an x-men legend i was like okay guys, guys <laughs> slow down we're being a little liberal with our usage here <laughs> i don't i don't think ben would like even be offended by me saying that there aren't, ben rob this man i've never met there aren't that many x-men legends let's be frank um the the list. oddly enough frank miller kind of one of them with that wolverine series and that's all he did that's true uh but i don't want to see him come back to x-men anytime soon no, so no, where no, is this no, it's going fine. it's fine it's fine uh well okay right under that is uncanny x-men 442 443 of darkest nights that's the uh last arc of chuck austin's uncanny x-men where uh we find out that where laura where laura goes a little crazy is like she learned uh, laura goes a little crazy about most of chuck austin's arc it's when she goes back to genosha and she finds out she's actually definitely magneto's daughter and there's a whole thing about it oh, i think right. that's better yeah all right i would probably put this ahead of phoenix warsong and ensong though wouldn't would you just because yeah, those are th- those are pretty terrible here's why i'm gonna put magneto rex ahead of it yeah it's because magneto rex has zealot who was a character in x-men uh, Legends 2 Rise of Apocalypse. And that's all I care about about <laughs> Zealot. So. I like this logic. All right. So Milligan's Legion is at 600. Oh, is it real? Oh, yeah, guys. Nice. Sorry about that. 
Peter, Peter, your ecstatics book right now is harmless. It's fine. Um, it really is. You know, it's it's just picking up from where it left off, and it's if that's it what you absolute, want. That's what it, it is. Absolutely, <laughs> is a book that could have come out in two thousand and five. Sure could. Um, I'm gonna spoil though. I don't think this is gonna stay at six hundred because the last story that we are gonna talk about is definitely better than the Milligan Mill- Legion. It is. We are talking about uh, Mike Carey's crossover Age of X. Yeah. Uh, this encompasses, for our purposes, Age of X Alpha, X Men Legacy 245 through 247. Seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then New Mutants 22 to 24. Yep. Carey does all of the writing, Steve Kurth does the. Uh, yeah, Kirk does the New Mutants uh, issues. Claybon does the Legacy issues. And then X-Men Age of X Alpha has a handful of artists, including Gabriel Hernandez-Walk, uh, Paul Davidson, Paco Diaz, Carlos Barbary, and Micro... Italian name. <laughs> Pre- no, it's like an Italian name with like eight different sounds in it, and I'm, I'm not even going to try. All right. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm I'm Pyferdici. Okay. There we go. That's nice. I I had never read this before. Hadn't you? No. And I, I remember when we did the aftermath, like I, I, you know, got a quick synopsis of what it was all about, but I'd never actually read it. And uh I enjoyed this quite a bit. You know? I I like why why don't we start with what's going on? that I, that I like. And then I know you have a more critical take on this, but, uh, I, first of all, we, we should admit that Mike Carey is very good at doing action stuff, you know, propulsive battle stuff is right up Mike Carey's alley. I think he does a very good job of it. And the core of this story is our characters being stuck in this bubble, um, that they are, constantly being attacked so we get some really cool stuff like cannonball leading the charge into battle and and leading the x-men we have cyclops turned into the basilisk um who is you know sort of a more hyper violent version who has been he's cyclops but his 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 eyelids got cut off yes so now he has to wear a mask that he has a little switch that controls which is very funny because he's always carried around this little (laughs) switch uh but less funny is that he was used to execute prisoners against his will yeah that part's not Uh, and he had to stare them in the eyes he's also he's also hooking up with joanna cargill which good for them right Um, good for them so it's it's funny um I, I actually wrote a little piece about this because um, coming up on Comics XF, uh, one of our amazing, talented contributors, uh, Anna Peppard, is doing a series called The Best X-Men Stories. And a bunch of us are taking our stabs at it. And I have, I have been spinning my wheels and, and needed to kind of do a warm-up piece before I did my real one. And I wrote about Age of X, um, not because I thought it was the best X-Men story ever, because it's not. Um, but because I think it's really interesting and, um, doing some things that are especially just the premise behind Legion. And I know this is a Legion focused episode are kind of interesting. Yeah. So the, the high concept of age of X is this is the last mutant city, the last mutant resistance. 
Magneto is leading it. Everyone is trying to break out, but really just survive. Like mm-hmm. they're they're in a bubble, but they don't realize they're in a bubble. No, because they they are just constantly fighting and maintaining a position, a stronghold, a utopia against a world that hates and fears them and is attacking them on all fronts. It's a very, it's a, it's very much a literalization of what was happening in the, or like a, uh, not literalization, but a, uh, what's the word you use when something is like bigger and more extreme? Uh, hyperbole? Kind of. It's like, made extreme? Uh, yeah, it, it. It's pushing. It's pushing the status quo of the X Men to the biggest conclusion it could be. Like this is this is the event version of that. Yes. Well. Well, we learn, and and we can get into sort of how we get to this point. But we learn that what spurred this to happen. This is where I think the story is actually really interesting. Is that Doctor Nemesis thought he could cure Legion, and he did it. By going into his mind and starting to scientifically remove and delete uh, some of the other personalities that were in his head. Now, Professor X warned him against this, and yet Nemesis continued to do it. So Legion That's my boy. is That's backed my boy. Legion is backed into a corner and uses his powers to create this universe, which Age of X. I, you mentioned Secret Wars the other day. I forget which episode we were on. But Age of X is essentially Legion's Secret Wars. He creates a bubble, and he has the X-Men in it, like his action figures, and he just bashes them together because he has this immature perspective about what the world around him looks like and what utopia is all about and what his dad is all about and so this entire story is actually told through the lens of what legion's sort of restrained perspective is on uh what's happening in utopia which if you look at it through that lens it kind of shifts how mike carey is telling the story because i think if you just take it on its own in comparison to something like age of apocalypse, it definitely doesn't rise to that occasion. But if you start to think about it through the lens of what Legion is doing as a storyteller, like he appears as himself in this universe, but he as is the big hero. He is a super sexy superhero who leads the, the five, the force warriors that maintain the force field around this thing. You know, that I think is kind of fascinating. I think the core concept behind this, I get it. I think that the entire world coming from that idea of, you know, Legion made it. Like, once you learn what has happened, that has made, that makes sense. Like, all of the decisions, like, oh yeah, these are, this is his view of all these people. This is a world based on his hyper reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That said, this is a story that was originally planned just to be an arc of X-Men Legacy, a bit smaller. And I do think that by expanding this story into being needing to be a big event, because Wells had just left New Mutants, so they were kind of scrambling to fill, what do we do with this? And they had a few months before, uh, like they, they were trying to get a DNA who eventually took it on. Mm-hmm. They had a couple month gap that they couldn't fill. They put this in there. They added a couple of, side stories and all this stuff to it that works less 
well. Like that's that's where I think this event starts to fall apart is because it becomes very big and cumbersome and there is not enough story to go around. Because you, you say, you know, this is around Legion and I don't disagree. However, this is X-Men Legacy, which was Rogue's book. And Rogue is still like pushed into being a protagonist in this for like the first third to half of it and then she kind of falls off for the entire resolution in this she becomes legacy uh where she goes and if someone is going to die she takes all of the she touches them takes on their memories within her and they live on through her you know in a kind of hypothetical sense and that's neat i don't think i think that's a good idea that is not explored enough like in the space that they are given mm-hmm they're trying to move around to different characters, different perspectives. And I think the book falls apart a bit on that front. Like there's things like there's things that I could see is filler or there because they needed it to be an event. Like Wolverine is in this in a couple of scenes and he's there because how are you going to have an X-Men event without Wolverine being there? Yeah. But honestly, I think that's one of the coolest things about age of X is that Wolverine is not part of like he is. Let's put it this way. He's not a star. We learn in alpha that Wolverine gets taken off the map because he goes to Dr. Rao and basically um, uses every last drop of the, the mutant cure and, he basically like dissolves it through his own healing factor until he has no mutant power anymore. So he's taken completely off the board until the very end of the story. When you do get a brief burst of him and Cyclops reuniting and and getting into superhero hijinks. Um, I think there's something clever about that. I agree with you that this would probably be better served, like at least two issues shorter. You know, it does not have the, um, the worldly scope that age of apocalypse does for instance, or even age of X-Men that comes after it because I I just briefly uh, went through the, what is it? The X age of X universe, which is like the Avengers stories and Spider-Man stories. Yeah. It's the rest of the world, which I want to be clear. Doesn't exist. I, yeah, I don't love, I don't love the X, the age of X universe stuff. And, relevant to what we're ranking here the alpha things because i feel like it goes against the ethos of the story of this all like you get dropped into this because the previous issues of legacy like showed part of this is dr nemesis trying to cure a legion like that was part of that was a side like a b plot or c plot going through those issues but you get thrown into this world in media res which is intentional and is a specific story choice that Carrie is making to emphasize the connection with Legion, and that gets dismantled when you have, but also these characters, here's their complex backstory. No, just let them let them jump in and have that backstory. We don't need to see it because it doesn't exist. So it takes away from it takes away from the center of the world that they're building. I get it. You're trying to flesh it flesh it out, show cool things, and it's not to say that there's not interesting like how these characters got there. I get it. That's an interesting story to tell, but I do think it undercuts the story as a whole. I think what works about the alpha issue, first of all, the Walter Basilisk prison escape, when he is 
when we discover that he is executing prisoners with the warden who is arcade and then he escapes damn walter just kills it right who would have thought that Gabriel Hernandez Walter <laughs> could draw a good prison break? Who knew that Gabriel Hernandez Walter was good at comics? Uh, third time we've talked about a Walter prison break on here. Um, so I agree. Like that could probably get weaved into the story a little bit better. What I like about it is that at least the premise there, and this totally breaks down when you start talking about age of X universe or whatever is that, daily they're in the loop of sitting around the fireplace and telling each other these stories yes however that never comes back as a framing mechanism so it's it's there in alpha but then we don't we don't see it again so i agree it it loses some of its impact you know because the cool thing is that they think that this is like they've been at fortress x for a thousand days and they realize at the end they've only been there for a week like mm-hmm. there's something cool about that and and interesting, but what the story spends most of its time doing is sending like the new mutants issues, especially have the alternate universe versions of new mutants, like hunting down characters like Rogue and Gambit. That's not as interesting, you know. It's it's, it's spinning really its wheels. Not, there are some interesting ideas. I think one of the most interesting ideas in here is that. You know, the Legion Legion's alternate personality that is actually driving this is a personality that has taken the shape of Moira. Yeah. Uh, that she goes by the name X mm-hmm. in this, which is very choice. <laughs> it is very, very juicy, given what we know now about Moira Bot 2000 or whatever she is. Mm-hmm. It, and the just the sort of uh psychological idea that you know originally well when you're reading the story for the first time and you don't know what's going on you think that moira might be sort of the, the the mastermind behind this right and then you realize that no moira is the the visualization of the self-defense mechanism but it's also cool to look at this story in retrospect and see things like you know this this utopia uh, version of utopia with moira in this villain position we've got a five as a secret secret person in the middle like it's listen. cool it's cool to kind of just like know recontextualize the story with our current perspective i think that's neat yeah i and i don't think that's a matter of you know someone pulling something specific like i know hickman likes mike carey's work i'm sure he's read this mm-hmm I don't think he was saying, okay, well, we got to make Age of X happen. I think it's more showing that that era and House of X Powers of 10 was synthesizing a lot of different ideas from X-Men in general. Like, if there, you know, what's the number of Magic Mutants? Well, it doesn't matter, but five is a good number because, one, that's a good team size. That's the size of the original X-Men. Uh, like, it, it becomes a recurring motif out of, like, the mechanism of five being a good team size yeah and then it's now turned into a whole thing of now the best team is the five (laughs) like i think that works really well the moira stuff obviously has some parallels but it's also telling that hickman wasn't the first person to be like but what if moira was the bad guy (laughs) or at least what if moira moira was manipulating people and all that so no i think there's a lot to like about this i struggle with loving age of x i think that's fair because you're getting 
like I said, I, I, when you've read the entire story and you realize that it's Legion bashing the action figures together to a certain extent, I go back and I look and I'm like, man, these are some really cool, like, I like Clayman's art through uh, the X-Men Legacy issues. I really like a lot of the character redesigns that are in here. Um, there's some very strong ones. And unlike other alternate universes that we've had, you don't get a lot of time with the characters. So it's despite it being the length that it is, because um, this was laid out over a couple of months, you unfortunately don't get the depth that you would elsewhere. So... Um, I think it's fun. I enjoyed reading it quite a bit. I think there's a lot of cool stuff here, but I agree it's probably not, you know, the pinnacle of alternate universe stuff. So where do you want to rank it? Well, uh, I highlighted um, 173, which is Avengers versus X-Men. Um, this is better than Avengers versus X-Men. Okay. So... We, we cannot in good context... Avengers versus X-Men. I think we enjoy the ride of Avengers versus X-Men. Uh Though we can say it is, let's let's generously say flawed. <laughs> All right, then up at one forty nine, we have House of M. Also flawed, prettier though. Pretty. Man, House of M wins so many points for being pretty. It it is. Um, I, I I struggle with whether House of M is is definitely it has more impact, right? You know, especially with its conclusion. So I think this is probably lower than House of M. Um, so we are, but I, I think this is the right spot because right above house of M is all new Wolverine four sisters. And I think four sisters is by and far better than this. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I also think that house of M ultimately is better than age of X as well. So, um, I am looking around. I also think this fall, is not fall of the mutants is probably better than age of X. Okay, good. Cause I was going to say that gambit in the externals at one fifty two uh, was definitely better than age of X. Uh, so you're at one fifty seven fall of the mutants. I think that's fair. Ooh, I think I know. Yeah, I think I know. Okay. But the new one fifty nine between the warpath issue of uncanny X-Men one ninety three and the leprechauns of cast to keep it one Oh one to one Oh three. I think that's a great place for it. You know, the, this is something that is definitely worth your time and reading and um, it's flawed. But I think it's I think it's really cool. Yeah, like guys, the top two hundred of this list is all good stories. Yeah, like they're stories that more or less I'd say, yeah, read that you'll you'll enjoy it. Um, heck, even I think the top three hundred is mostly good. But I th- I do think once you get into that point, you start to be like, there actually no, probably most of this list is good if you like X-Men. <laughs> There's only a handful that if you don't like X-Men, you're not going to like this list. By the time you get to 400, there's absolutely, like the 400 to 300, there's absolutely some flops in there. Sure. But there's some there's some gold down in those. There's some too. fun in there. <laughs> uh, and do you know why we know about all this, Adam? Uh, thanks to uh, patrons like I Read Comics. Oh, you read comics? Because I read comic uh, books. Sometimes, yeah, definitely. Oh, man, I didn't know that you read comic books and I read comic books and I read comic books supported this episode. So thank you, I read comic books. Uh, Very excited about what you have brought to the table today. And that was talking about our favorite tall-haired boy. Uh, If you want to be like them, uh, go rewind to the top of the show where I already did the spiel with Patreon. It's a great place. I was talking to Adam. I'm going to try this. I am going to try and find the first interview I ever did was with Mike Carey. 
And we talked about Age of X uh, somewhat in there. I need to warn you all, the interview will not be good and it will be very embarrassing for me. (laughs) Uh, But it's somewhere and I'm going to find it and I'm going to put that up as bonus content for our patrons if I can find that interview if it hasn't been lost uh, in the ether, (laughs) which would be sad, but also I would believe could happen. You're a brave man, Zach. (laughs) I'm going to... Listen... I am now like I'm fascinated by this. I have I have to have that audio somewhere. I'm gonna slap that stuff up there. It's gonna be hard for me to listen to, but hopefully it'll be enjoyable for listeners. I assume the audio quality is absolute garbage, too, <laughs> folks. So be prepared. <laughs> be prepared for all of that. Hey, Adam, what do you got going on? Not much. I, I mentioned uh, the the best X Men stories um, that's gonna start coming out. I believe. Sometime this month, don't quote me on that, but uh, got a, a really cool roster of uh, CFX, CFX, CXF writers and contributors. Um, I am going to be writing about my favorite X Men story of all time, which everybody knows is the Asgardian Wars. And uh, Zach, is uh, do you want to share what your pick is? No, because I may back out. I have no oh, idea. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> listen, listen, if you guys wanted to know my opinions on X-Men, I promise you there's a podcast you should listen to. <laughs> well, so I got busy. That Anna remains knows. to be it's seen. Uh, you guys can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy and Zach. What's up next week? Next week, X-Men Unlimited writer Alex Packnadel is going to be on the show to talk about Maggot. Baby, we did it. We brought him back. It took years. We forgot about that bit. There was a hashtag and everything. <laughs> real, real ones. Real ones. <laughs> Folks who have been listening to this podcast since day one know that I did that annoying thing for a while. And I regret it conceptually. Like, spiritually, I'm like, no. That annoys me when other people do it. I should not be harassing writers about bringing back a beloved X-Men character, Maggot, and giving him a deep story. Uh, But Alex Packnado did it anyway, (laughs) uh, without even being coerced. So that's super duper. We're going to talk to him about uh, about Maggot. And then all the other stuff. If you guys have not read Alex Packnado's work, you should. He's a good writer. Sounds fun. But until then, folks, this has been Bally Adam, and we hope you survived. We hope you survived the experience.